enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Monica. I will be your host today as we talk about bookworm. With me today are Robert Smith and Anthony Wilson. Welcome to the podcast. We have a lot to discuss tonight, uh, but before we do, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself? Yes. So my name is Robert Smith. I am uh, my day job. I'm a professor of mathematics, and so I study infectious diseases using math. Uh, but in my spare time, I am a Doctor Who fan from way back. I have been a fan since I was five years old. I run the ratings guide where people can send reviews in. I've written about well, 15 books uh, or edited 15 books. Um, so I, lots, lots of which are on Doctor Who. Um, I basically, uh, you know, I love Doctor Who and and all all its kinds of you know incarnations. Awesome. And I'm Anthony Wilson. Um, my Doctor Who credentials go back to being terrified of a skull jumping out of a crystal ball in snake dance. Um, <laughs> that's my first vivid memory as a child, possibly my earliest memory. Um, I live in um, England, which used to be near Europe, but isn't anymore. <laughs> um, and um, in my day job, I'm deputy head in a primary school and I'm a father of two small daughters. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for being here. So um, can you guys just give our listeners an idea of what Bookworm is and what our listeners can expect from this book? Yeah, so Bookworm is essentially a guide to what we think is the golden age of Doctor Who, which is the new adventures of the 1990s. Uh, these were a series of novels that were published when the TV show stopped airing, um, and the target novelizations effectively morphed into original novels um, that were published uh, between um, 1991 and 1997. Um, and they were some amazing books, some occasionally not so amazing books, uh, <laughs> but they really told a story that continued sort of the, the, the story of Doctor Who, I guess, um, with the seventh Doctor and Ace initially, and then replaced with um, new companions. Um, and there were sort of, you know, they developed their own monsters and their own sort of, you know, text essentially. Um, and these are now very hard to find um, and certainly hard to kind of read all as, as it was at the time. So we've written a guide to that and we've tried to sort of recreate the experience of what it was like in the golden age. Um, at the same time, charting how those books were a massive influence on the return of the TV show uh, when it came back in 2005. Uh, yeah, pretty much what he said. Um, uh, Arnold, he's the publisher, describes it as an episode guide to episodes that never existed. So it works, I suppose, the, the basic model was the discontinuity guide, which a lot of people will be familiar with. Everything's divided into sections. You get a brief summary, um, you get where things where you might need continuity from before and specifically as robert says where it goes into the new series and then sort of lots of discursive points some of which are completely frivolous some of which are quite serious and then we argue about whether they're any good or not <laughs> that's really excellent because it sounds like you've created this bridge in between the old series and the new Hughes series just kind of like a way to explain what's been going on yeah that's very yeah, much I, the I, idea uh, <laughs> sorry that's excellent. And then at what point did you guys become inspired and say, hey, we have to do this. There's these episodes or these uh, novels that like people aren't familiar with or what was that experience like? How did you guys decide to just come together and put this together? 
Uh, well, Anthony and I had been um, working on a website for uh, 20 years now, uh, which was meant to sort of catalog all the continuity in all the novels. Um, so not just these novels, but all, all of them, essentially. Um, and kind of, you know, we have this grand goal of doing every Doctor Who novel ever. And it was meant to be a collaborative process, but but very few people collaborated. And it was, you know, there was a few other people at the beginning, but basically it was Anthony and I, and we've been working at that for a long time. Um, and so as a result, we would always be talking about the novels and, you know, chatting and so on. And it effectively grew out of that. And we decided that, you know, we should basically kind of, you know, do a guide to them. Um, and the, the key point for me was when Anthony suggested, why don't we do it as a kind of, you know, here's, here's what led the show back. Um, here's how we came back to the new series was kind of viewed through the lens of these books. And, and that to me was the hook that really made this into something worthwhile. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the scary fact of this, I suppose, more than anything, is that uh, when we started it, I wasn't married and didn't have any children. Um, <laughs> so we've uh, we've been working on this for quite some time. I'd actually started initially by looking at the Eighth Doctor Adventures, but that soon went, you know what, we need to start at the beginning. We need to start with the new adventures. Okay, awesome. So um, I guess this is like almost like encyclopedia type work like what a great way to get this history down because the show has been around for 50 years there must be so much to cover and so you know it sounds like something that like even in the future people will have something to look back on when you when you talk about like lost episodes or things lost you know novels that you can't find anymore things that are out of publication it seems like an amazing resource for like history purposes I, I, I like this a lot actually because it, it is a little bit like the missing episodes um, and, you know, if you were there at the time, they were an experience that you had. And then nowadays, I, I don't know what it would be like being a fan who kind of wants to access these things because, you know, I've talked to people and they said, well, they get them in dribs and drabs and some are, you know, you can find online and some, you, you know, you order off eBay or something. Um, but, but they're all out of order and they're all jum jumbled and you get what you can get and you miss other things. Um, and so you, you're trying to put this giant jigsaw puzzle together. And I think that's what we've effectively done. We've written the kind of guide to that so that you can kind of like flow through. Um, I'm very pleased that actually uh, we had a proofreader who was not a Doctor Who fan at all. He hadn't read any of the novels. I mean, he, he watched Doctor Who a little bit, but um, he, he read the book and he loved it. And so we're like, oh, this is therefore accessible to people who were not there. Um, and also people who, you know, who've been reading it since who, who were there. You know, it's giving the big nostalgic rush as well and saying like, oh, yes, you know, I remember the new adventures. They were so much fun and they were so great. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased that we were able to sort of, you know, like kind of walk that line between, you know, the sort of hardcore kind of old school fans like us who were there there when it happened. And then the new fans who, you know, might might want to wonder what all the fuss is about. This might be really interesting for somebody who is maybe studying television shows or programming and Doctor Who being the longest running sci-fi show, um, you know, would have so much to look back. How did they keep this um, franchise surviving for so long? How did they do this? And having guides like what you've provided is kind of nice because it's almost like a resource into, well, what was so special about it or what did people do to keep it going? And it could even be something that people um, looking into marketing would want to like take advantage of. Yes, I, I think there's all, I mean, there's a lot of scholarship about Doctor Who, um, but mostly it's about the TV show. And there's so much extra Doctor Who um, that, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a hardcore fan, you, you, you absorb this stuff from years and years and years, um, but it's very inaccessible if you're not. Um, actually, it's interesting because the new adventures themselves, um, they, I think they won a Guinness World Record for the longest running kind of tie-in series of, of novels. Um, so, you know, you're right. It's kind of like, like there's all this other sort of, you know, stuff about it that, that's kind of there um, that, you know, I mean, the, the, I guess the interest in, in 
extra Doctor Who is not as high, of course, as the TV show, um, but we think it's actually just as valuable. No, I think it's a really great point um, because, like, if you see, like, Star Wars, for example, has such a huge expanded universe and there's all kinds of children's books and, you know, you know, regular novels and such a huge television shows, TV series. And Doctor Who is getting a, a, some of that as well, whether it's the novels, the audio series or even just like the spinoffs, you know. So it's it's there's definitely people out there who are ready to absorb it. Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, th I think one of the great things about Doctor Who is that there's just so much of it. And so you can kind of like, you know, you can you can delve into all kinds of different corners of the Doctor Who universe. Um, and there's all kinds of cool things to find. Excellent. I, I, I'd say I'd add as well that um, it's also hugely fun to do this, um, to, to actually delve into bits of the Doctor Who history that you might not be quite so familiar with because it's so interconnected. It's so, it draws upon itself. I mean, uh, to use a random example, Russell T. Davis wrote a book for the range featuring a family of Tylers who lived on a council estate. That's, that's a really direct reference. Human Nature was one of the Doctor Who books, one of the new adventures before it became a television programme. So there's a lot to find, even for the more casual fan, as well as the more scholarly amongst us. That's amazing. I love that. And you guys already touched on this question um, a little bit where you said it, it originally started off as something else. But did you have like an idea when you were putting the book together that this is what we want to do? And how did it evolve until like your final product? Uh, so I would say in some ways it came out as we'd imagined. Um, we, we, I, I mean, I guess because we were pretty involved in the books from, from doing the website. Um, so, so we had a good sense of you know what, what, what they were and what they were about, and 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 we we we'd always chat about them too whenever we talked. Um, uh, I would say a few things changed. Um, one one of the the great additions that that you know I think was Anthony's suggestion was to put in um, the remembrance of the Daleks novelization as the introduction, um, because we were just going to write a general introduction to the books. But and, and the part of the problem with the books is the the first one is terrible, and I sort of feel like oh, if you're if you're going to read a guide. Most people are going to open the first entry and go, well, they hated that, so why would I read this book? Um, and then we slotted a, an extra one in the beginning, which is also a TV story, so people can read about Remembrance of the Daleks, which they're very familiar with. And at the same time, we're talking about the novel, and we're explaining how this system works. So I feel like it was just a brilliant idea to kind of get that going, and, and the, it anchors you, and then you, you're good to go from then on. Excellent. Um, was there anything that you... So surprised you as you were getting ready to pull it all together anything that you guys learned from you know putting all these um i guess collection of essays or whatnot about the uh, novels together uh, i think i think i was surprised at just how much the quality of the book stood up um and rereading them like like uh, things like like i always go back to uh, theater of war which is sort of you know it's justin richard's first novel um people always sort of remember that one it's like oh it's this sort of like average kind of middle of the road novel and it kind of is for the new adventures. And yet you look at it and you realize this is, you know, a book that's all about the sort of power of theater to like define societies and how civilizations kind of like, you know, rise and fall kind of based on the sort of theatrical works. It's a sort of metaphor for the missing episodes. Uh, it's, it's, you know, got this like hidden twist upon hidden twist upon, you know, it's, it's this absolutely brilliant work. And, and you realize this is still one of the middle ones. Like, like some of them are just so amazing um, and they stand up so well. We, we, you know, 
sort of the books we'd liked before that we still liked, but there were some other books I think that was well, certainly my case um, that I was like, wow, this this some of this stuff is just astonishing, um, and a lot of it is from first time authors or you know fairly new authors and so on who were just basically bringing their ideas about Doctor Who, having thought about it deeply for you know many 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 years and sort of experimented with fanfic and so on, and suddenly they're ready to go and they're they're pulling out ideas that you know you just never imagined. I mean I mean in the fourth book, it's Paul Connell's first novel, the TARDIS lands in the doctor's mind and you think this is the most amazing idea that i've ever come across like who would have thought of that and you realize like actually only a doctor who fan who's been immersed in the ideas of what doctor who could be and all the wild possibilities and and takes it to an extreme um that that to me is, is an astonishing achievement that's amazing yeah and um, um with robert very much how well they've aged um, you know, this is 1991, which is now a scary amount of time ago, and yet they absolutely stand up um, to modern reading and are actually a lot better than a lot of what's come since. Also, though, how much more influential on the new series than we might have guessed. We knew we'd put that together because there were some clear influences, but there were probably out of the 61 books, there were probably only three or four where you couldn't say, hmm, there is a similarity there. Sometimes, yeah, we might be stretching it a bit, but other times it's absolutely you go yeah they put a church on the moon and then they put a hospital on the moon that those similarities are there but the other surprise for me was how much human nature which is the one everyone sorry i've mentioned that one already the one everyone goes on about as being here's your direct line how dissimilar that was the only thing that really stays the same is the doctor ends up human and as a school teacher in 1914 but so much of the thematic patterns of it, um, the uh, characterization, the reasons why characters do things in the stories are totally different. And that really surprised me. I much prefer the novel for the record. That sounds amazing. And especially because, um, you know, sometimes we don't really know where a lot of this comes from. We just think, oh, whoever wrote it, you know, whoever wrote it on the TV show or whatever wrote it. But it's so nice to know that, you know, some of those writers are getting their influence from somewhere. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite thing about putting together this book? Uh, I have to say my, my favorite thing was kind of working with Anthony and realizing like just just how much we were kind of on the same page. We we had the idea, I think, initially to kind of be more disagreeable. Um, but I think in, in some ways we, we liked similar things a lot of the time. We don't, we don't totally agree all the time and sometimes we very much disagree. Um, but I, I, I just found it, you know, kind of a joy to work with, uh, you know, like the, the jokes were funny, like, you know, the, the sort of the style was great and, and it, it really came alive. Um, I, I have no complaints at all. Have you guys worked together before? N not really, no. We, I, I guess we'd worked on like uh, the website that we'd been doing, um, but that was that was a bit more individualistic, I guess. Um, Anthony would just sort of send me guides and I would I would code them up to HTML and, and put them online. Um, and so we'd, we'd sort of like just chat in the in the meantime. But um, yeah, this is our first professional work, really. Well, I mean, I should say that Anthony has been invaluable as a kind of second reader for um, the Outside In series that I do, um, also for ATB Publishing, uh, where he's you know, effectively my sort of you know, ghost editor who will like read and comment on all the, all the pieces that have been done. Um, and so, you know, th those those insights are invaluable as well um, for that. Uh, yeah, my notes for this question um, says bouncing off Robert. So we're pretty much on exactly <laughs> the same page here. Um, so uh, without going to that, it has, it's been a joy to work with him. But the other thing that I loved um, particularly was actually just rereading them. 
the, the opportunity and the chance. It's very rare you kind of go, right, I'm now going to read an entire 61-book series. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I actually loved doing that. And like I said, you know, I got married and had two small children. It's taken a while. I was trying to work it out. It's something like four and a half million words. My goodness. Um, to read and comment on. Um, but I loved doing that as well as bouncing off Robert. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys had a very great time, both in, you know, what you're reading and what you're working on and working together. So that's that's really great. And I'm sure that it's going to translate just that way, you know, to the readers who are reading it. Do you guys have any favorite novels or any um, writers that you were excited to explore? Uh, I, I, I found... Uh, I, I mean, I sort of knew that like Kate Ullman was going to be a, a, an amazing voice. Um, I kind of very selfishly kind of grabbed all the Kate Ullman novels for myself. And then we sort of traded one late in the day um, so I didn't get them all. Um, and, you know, so, some of her early stuff is, is astonishing. Um, and I'm friends with her anyway. So because um, uh, she, she was a librarian at uh, my university um, when at, at the time when she was writing the books. And, and so... Um, um, and, I, and I sort of known her as like somebody who wrote fanfic or something. And I read the first novel and I was blown away. Um, and I must admit, I was, again, blown away when I read it again. And so, so in that sense, sort of, you know, yes, I knew there were good writers there. Um, but I found like um, there was quite a few surprises there, like like Jim Mortimer, for instance, like like his books. I, I guess I'd sort of had this view of like I'd always enjoyed them and I'd, you know, sometimes enjoyed them in, in, you know, a way that other people hadn't always, but I found him to be just, just an astonishing writer. Like the second time round, um, he, he had some really, really amazing stuff going on. Uh, and, and I would say like, yeah, even sort of like, like quirky things, you know, the, the, there was sort of stuff that bothered me back in the day, just didn't bother me anymore and stuff like, like there was sort of like this, like, it got into like name checks and there was sort of like guns and frocks and there was all these sort of like new adventures kind of sort of like shorthand stuff that was happening and people get all riled up about it. And I, I did too at the time. And then now you just sort of, Oh yeah, it's all fine. It's, it's, you know, of a piece or it's of its time. And you know, it is, it is what it is and it's, it's no problem. Amazing. How frequently we look back over 20 years and think, God, younger self, it really wasn't that important. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I suppose I I was looking forward to rereading some of the books I loved, but it was some surprises in there. I mean, it wasn't Robert's favourite, but there's a book in there which is very dense and complex, The Death of Art, which I just adored, which completely blew me away. I didn't expect it. Um, but the other thing was Ben Aronovich. Now, I'm a big fan of his Rivers of London series, but again, seeing how he developed as a writer, his early stuff, and Transit particularly, which was loathed at the time, to the point that the editor of the line had to write a defence of it in Doctor Who magazine. Oh my goodness! Uh, because uh, he, well, he swore he used the F word several times, and of course that was a big no-no at the time. Whoa, you know we don't say anything worse than twit in Doctor Who. Right, um, and even now they don't say anything. E even though they don't, they don't say no, absolutely. Even now they don't say anything, but people couldn't see past that fact at the time again as it links in what was important 20 25 years ago right people couldn't see parts of that fact to the fact that it was a simply stunning novel where every word was nuanced and thought about and counted and then his second one which is the also people is just it's unbelievable there is barely a plot it is 250 pages of people having parties and having sex and it is one of the most gripping things I've ever read my goodness oh my gosh <laughs> that's very exciting to hear and so I have kind of a um a little bit of a kind of 
just for fun question for each of you, because you have such extensive knowledge from just reading all these books and just being in it for so long in the fandom and just interesting. If you could create your own TARDIS team with any doctor, any companions, anything, what would it look like? Ah, that's a, that's a great question because my answer is really simple. My, my answer would be the seventh doctor from the new adventures and Bernice Summerfield. Like they, to me, are... The, the, the sort of ultimate TARDIS crew. Um, I love the, the the very like introverted seventh doctor who like stands in the background and you never know what strings he's pulling and he kind of, you know, he'll like smile mysteriously or something and you sort of realize like he's doing all this stuff that you don't really see. Um, I love that they don't sort of go into the doctor's head or anything. Like like he's a very sort of off-center off character. Um, and, and Bernice Summerfield is the first companion they created for the novels, and she just springs off the page. And she was created by Paul Cornell, um, and she wasn't originally meant to be a companion, and she was just so fabulous, and she spun off into her own line and so on. To, to me, there there is no no greater sort of Doctor Companion kind of um, team up than that. Um, and, and it's funny because I was, you know, classic series fan from way back, and, you know, you would sort of think like, oh, you know, the fourth Doctor who I adored, you know, and sort of the, you know, classic sort of Sarah Jane, you know, kind of Harry or something, you know, things would kind of be my go-to stuff um but but what the power of the new adventures did for me was really kind of reshape what doctor who could be um and sort of show me kind of like i guess you know show me how it could grow up as i was growing up at the same time um and I it love moved that. from a childhood one to an adult kind of series that's it <laughs> gosh well yeah once again robert's probably stolen my answer there um, <laughs> uh if if i had to do anything um to try and create a different answer. I'd, I'd like to mix things around a little bit and look at um, different doctors with companions that wouldn't necessarily have been there for different dynamics and so forth. Um, so I'd love to see how one of the older doctors would deal with one of the newer companions, something like the fifth doctor and Amy. Oh, wow. Just sort of throwing it out there. And you just think, how on earth would that work? And it gives yeah. you a good idea of how far <laughs> the series perhaps has come um, because I find it difficult to imagine, but I'd love to see it done. Absolutely. One of the things that I love about the Big Finish audio series is that you get to see River Song with some of the classic doctors. And that makes me so happy because I just think that's such a, a cool thing, you know. Um, so I really love that answer. That's great. Okay, guys, before we sign off, do you guys have any final top thoughts or takeaways you want our listeners to know? Uh, I, I think it's... Uh... I mean, the, the new adventures, I sometimes say, you know, they, they used to be like the 900-pound gorilla of Doctor Who. That when, when they first came out, they were the only game in town. So if you wanted to follow any new Doctor Who, you, you had to read the books. And at the time, everyone was reading them, well, sort of almost everyone. Um, and then things started to split. And then there were multiple lines of books. And then there were big Finnish audios. And there was sort of novellas. And then there was kind of all kinds of things. Um, and, and in a sense, it kind of split the vote. Um, but for a while... The new adventures, they were it. They were they were everything that there was. Um, and just the, you know, I still have this fond memories of the thrill of like walking into the local bookstore and just seeing a new white spine in the in the shelves and thinking like, oh, there's a new one. And then you you would, you know, like talk to people about it and sort of, you know, feel like, oh, have you read the latest one? Like, you know, oh my God, the, you know, amazing things happen. Um, and that kind of water cooler kind of effect um, you know, doesn't doesn't really exist as much. In, in I think any other format of Doctor Who, except for the TV show itself, it's it's to me the only other time that it's really transcended that. That 
that, you know, we're not really sort of standing around all collectively, you know, listening to an audio or all reading a comic or something like that. It was, it was, it was quite amazing that they actually successfully jumped for a while into novels because novels are a hard sell and they're quite long and, you know, they're, they're, they were quite grown up and so on. Um, to me, that, that itself is an amazing achievement. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, again, it, it kind of bonded fandom in a way. Um, I, I, I suppose fandom narrowed. It was, was narrowing in the last the Sylvester McCoy years. But it did, as, as Robert says, give us something all to talk about. I was at university while a lot of them were coming out. And that was exactly that. We would, you know, we'd all go and devour the books. We'd, we'd try and get them done in about a day or two. So that when we all met up at the pub, we were all on the same page. We all knew where we were. I mean, the arguments were powerful because some of us loved them and some of us loathed them <laughs> but they 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 bonded us um as a community i think quite powerfully um even within the disagreement that the doctor who community is famous for <laughs> <laughs> but i love how much enthusiasm you have for it and how much you know that it's just that's how the fandom is and you know you either yeah. love it you hate it but we're still that community so that's that's really great. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find your book and how to follow you guys on social media? Uh, yes. So the, the book uh, is available from ATB Publishing. So it's ATB. It stands for Arnold T. Blumberg, who is the publisher. So ATB Publishing is selling the book. Um, and uh, you can get it either direct from them or I'm sure it's on various other places. Um, and uh, so as far as uh, following us, uh, neither of us are huge social media people. Um, I would say... Uh, you can check out some websites that we do. Uh, we do the Cloister Library. So if you, if you Google Doctor Who Cloister Library, uh, then you'll find our guides to all the novels. We are, we are maybe like 20 from the end. There's over 350 books in there um, that we've been doing. Um, so so that's kind of cool. And that's a kind of, it's been a fairly obscure site for some time, but we, we're basically ready to launch into the world now because it's it's almost done. Um, or the Doctor Who Ratings Guide as well, where you can write your own review on anything and send them in. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid you won't find me on social media either. I'm a bit of a, for, for someone who embraced the science fictionness of Doctor Who, I'm someone who hasn't embraced the science fictionness of the internet at all. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. That's perfect, guys. All right. Well, this is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter using the handle Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com? There you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Thank you to our guests so much for joining us on this episode. My name is Monica, and we will talk to you next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash templeofgeek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.